Welcome to Unbooking the Tankatory, the bonus series from Unbooking the Territory, where we look at the in-ring career of Tank Abbott. This week, it's a one-man's meat takeover. Welcome to Tank Talks. So, Danny, how are you? I'm doing really well, thank you, mate. How's yourself? Well, I'm better than I deserve to be, pal, and I am very glad to be sharing this Boxing Day with you. Merry Christmas, mate. Merry Christmas to you, too. It's been a brilliant Christmas, didn't we? Yeah, so far, so far. I've had a couple of days off from work, so uh, very much uh, not looking forward to going back, but there you go. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> But we are back on the Airshow business today, ladies and gentlemen, as WCW rolls smoothly towards Bash at the Beach with another episode of Monday Nitro from the 3rd of July, 2000. Exciting time so far, Danny. So uh, what do we think Tank will get up to tonight? Oh, let's have a look. I mean, we, we didn't have to wait long, did we, for, for, uh, for a Tank appearance, which is really cool. Um, yeah, let's see what he gets up to. Yeah, well, pal, you know, with an absolute beast like Tank Abbott stalking the arena, who knows what could happen? And talking of absolute beasts, mate, I think we've got another knock at the door. Shall I let him in? Yeah, go on. Fair enough. <sighs> Merry Christmas, Hank. What can we do for you tonight? What's so merry about it, by gosh? I'm sick of you two jackasses shucking me around. I want some kind of meaningful involvement in this podcast. Otherwise, I'm going to use him as a hammer and you as a nail. What's it going to be, you big horse's ass? Has it not been a good Christmas then, Hank? No, it ain't, you moron. Do you realize how hard it is to sell propane barbecues in the middle of a deep freeze? Can't say I can, Hank. Can you, Donny? No, I cannot, but um, yeah, he must have got a lot of work that week. Exactly, mate. I mean, I'd, I wish I could say that I empathise, but uh, I, I can't say I do. Well, I don't want you, pity asshole. You think I've proven that I've got the natural talent, plus the God-given charisma, to be a positive part of this podunk little show? Hank, you're just going to have to let it go, mate. I'm, I'm not sure that Rob or Dan could cope with you being on the podcast for the entire duration. Well, I can't say I didn't warn you, my friend. Hey, Danny, knock, knock. Who's there? Hey, Gabbard, and I'm going to kick your co-host's ass. Give me that microphone, four ass. Quick, hide, hide, down there, down there. Right, Hank, that does it. Am I going to have to call your missus? Oh, gosh, no, not Peggy. She's fixing to leave my ass if I can't stop beating on podcasters. Well, do you not think we should put this behind us then, pal, for the sake of your marriage? I guess we could give it a try. Okay, boys. See you in a fortnight. Yes, Hank, I suppose we will. Take care, mate. Take care. Danny, he's he's not actually left. He's just crawled into the cupboard under the stairs. Oh, God, we better do something. I mean, can you call the police or something? 
I could certainly try, uh, or maybe see if uh, Miss Beef Elizabeth can put some nails in the door. But in the meantime, mate, let's let's crack on. We shall, we shall. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So since this show is a UTT property, Danny, what are you drinking tonight? I'm just sticking with the original uh, Red Bull tonight, Chris. How about yourself, mate? Very nice. Well, I've got something uh, particularly festively special for this episode, mate, um, from my good friends at Stuart Brewing in Edinburgh. I've got an all-good-in-the-pud Christmas pudding ale. I saw that on Twitter, and it looks the can just looks brilliant. It certainly does, yeah. They've got very um, distinctive can art on their, uh, well, on their cans, I suppose. Uh, but this promises to be sugar and spice and all things nice. There's hints of raisins, currants and candied citrus peel with underlying caramelised sugar notes. It is very warming and it tastes better warm than it does cold. So uh, that's what I'm tucking into today. Oh, brilliant. It sounds like the description of this um, nitro, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it most certainly does. Uh, yes, mate, it certainly does, mate. But uh, this July 3rd offering of WCW Nitro emanated from the Charleston Civic Centre in Charleston, West Virginia. And we actually have a blurb from the network this time. Yeah, um, it wasn't much of one, was it? It wasn't, no, uh, but it reads as follows. Uh, the rivalry between Goldberg and Kevin Nash heats up. Things escalate between David Flair, Miss Hancock and Daphne after Crowbar gets involved. Plus, Terry Funk gets hardcore with Johnny the Bull, Booker T takes on Shane Douglas, and a 20-man Battle Royal main event. All this and much more. So it at least sounds like it's going to be a good one, pal. It actually sounds like a pay-per-view, doesn't it? <laughs> it really does. I mean, especially with that Battle Royal. We all know the best Battle Royals are in January, don't we? Oh, yes, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> get our usual quick fire recap including Duggan versus Goldberg Jarrett's previous title defences in the week and the furthering of the Demon versus Torborg feud with added Scott Steiner Toblerone goodness I love this um, it means that if you missed an episode you'd be catched up right away and it wasn't focused on the main event angles it had um, the Demon um, and Vampiro in this little video so it's really really cool yeah, it's, uh, again, what we've been going on about for the last few weeks, the fact that because there's so much going on with these shows, 
these recaps at the start are absolutely fantastic and it's something mm-hmm. that runs through the show as well so there's lots of recaps for what was going on on thunder and i don't know whether they're picking up on the fact that thunder's not getting as many viewers but the fact that they put these in it's it's brilliant like people can follow the show if they miss a week i, I think it's great yeah same mate so we start with the cat in his office sounding off about how scott steiner is suspended for a week no doubt with pay eh, danny definitely not in 2000 (laughs) (laughs) but it turns out that the higher ups are not best pleased with any sticking his nose in but mike awesome then pops up to check that the call was made as awesome has some work to do which sounds interesting i wonder what it could all be about danny i'm wondering too but i'm also wondering who the cat was talking to because he said eric but he never specified which eric it was could this be eric angle it could potentially be Eric Angle, yes, yeah, or maybe um, Eric Estrada from Chips. Ah, could be, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I know you were just pulling my pisser there, mate, but uh, we are alluding to the fact that uh, our good pal Ernie is speaking to one half of the current powers that be, uh, Eric Bischoff, but of course we haven't seen him in a few weeks, so how on earth would we know, eh? Yeah, definitely, I mean, and he wasn't going to be here for much longer, was he? <laughs> No, he wasn't. Exactly, yeah. We're not that far away from things taking a bit of a nosedive in that relationship. Mm. But yeah, he was on the phone and um, Eric Bischoff just giving him instructions what to do and things like that. I found that found that was very good because it sets up, rather than the cat having to come out and do a promo, you get your point across just on a phone call. Yeah, you do. That's one of the good things about these little cuts and vignettes and what have you they can get so much done in such a short space of time like it doesn't have to be like five to ten minute monologues in the ring does it you, yeah like as as you've been saying uh throughout the whole of these tank talks actually bud is the fact that wcw make use of the building that they've got i mean i, I can imagine they probably had wrestlers in every part of the building and you know they've made good use of it haven't they they really have and it's something that wrestling really should be doing now i mean it's just yeah it's just sorely missed so we then cut to what Mike was referring to as we see four ambulances backing into the arena. So it looks like the career killer is going to be very busy indeed, mate. It does. I mean, I'm wondering uh, how much they paid for those ambulances to be sat there all night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, because, yeah, in America, uh, obviously, all ambulances are private. So if you want one, you've got to put your hand in your pocket, not like around here. No, definitely not. I mean, uh, that's just crazy as well. It's like, was there no emergencies um, in this part of America at this point? Well, that's the thing. I mean, obviously, I I don't know an awful lot about the health service in America, but I expect, you know, ambulances are probably big business. So if they do go to some of the bigger cities, they probably don't struggle. But, uh, you know, I mean, the WWF would have done this uh, back in the day as well. So they they obviously must compensate them for the full evening, perhaps. I don't know. Yeah. So, commentary tonight is provided by Britt Baker's sugar daddy, Tony Schiavone, Mark Madden and Scott Hudson. And I've got to say right off the bat, mate, these three are absolutely on fire all night, aren't they? They are. They they didn't miss a beat throughout the whole night. No, they didn't. And there were lots of very subtle interspersings and cuts to kind of what's been going on uh, not just in the previous week but also like leads up to a lot of the storylines and things which you know you could quite easily forget about if you're not paying attention so again it's another thing about these nitros and thunders because there's so much going on 
it's almost like commentary you kind of taking the reins here and saying, right, we've got to get people up to speed because yeah. it would be so hard to keep up otherwise, wouldn't it? It really would. And credit to Tony Schiavone because at this point he had checked out of WCW. <laughs> and oh, totally. There. Um, Scott Hudson was, uh, I would say, probably needed to be the main commentator at this point. Mark mm. Madden was obviously just there just for just entertainment value, as he put it. But yeah, he was. And he does have quite a few entertaining lines tonight. Yeah. But talking of entertainment, we kick off our episode with everybody's favourite hard man, Tank Abbott, who is out straight away. And uh, I mean, I would say I was sad if it was anybody else, but he ejects my absolute favourite DJ Ran. Are you familiar with um, DJ Ran and the whole WCW relationship at all at this time, mate? No, not at all. Was um, was he any good? It wasn't too bad. So um, DJ Ran was one of these kind of late 90s um, hip-hop mixtape DJs that got quite a good following. Um, I mean, back then you could make quite a decent amount of money selling mixtapes regularly, um, but even in the New York market alone. So WCW hired him to kind of warm up the crowd before the shows and during commercial breaks and stuff. So um, there's a lot of things that are edited out of these shows, but um, I've got a couple of the Turner Home Entertainment videos of pay-per-views and things, and they would actually cut to DJ around doing some like um, scratching or hyping the crowd or whatever it was, and a lot of that's not on the network anymore. So it is a shame, really, that the WWE don't like putting their hand in their pocket because, um, like I say, he would be a legitimate hype man for WCW and the crowd quite enjoyed him. Yeah, that actually sounds a lot um, really good idea. I don't know if WWF have ever done that or anything like that, but I think that's actually really cool. Yeah, it is. I mean, it, it's probably quite similar to what they tried to do at WrestleMania with bands and stuff, but, uh, I mean, you know... Who needs DJ Ran when you've got The Miz in 2006, eh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're looking live as we welcome you to World Championship Wrestling. I'm Tony Giovanni along with Scott Hudson and Mark Madden. Tank goes down for the count. I don't think so, but here comes Tank Abbott, Scott Hudson. The president of the Three Count Fan Club. Quite frankly, maybe the only member, unless Madden is a re-up his membership. What is Tank doing? He's not coming to the ring. Good night. Remember, he chased a fan out of the building a couple of weeks ago. No one is safe from this maniac. He's going, that's DJ Rand. That's the Nitro DJ. He just ran DJ Rand right away from the turntable. He is commandeering the DJ Rand position. I guess. DJ Rand lived up to his name. It's DJ Tank. That's okay for you. Now you got DJ Tank. He's got two turntables and a microphone. Come on, are you ready? I'm ready. Do you want the best? Do you? I will give you the best. Ladies and gentlemen, the greatest rock and roll band in the history of the world. When I first saw you, it was out of the blue I asked myself a million times, is this true? My heart beats faster and I have no clue I didn't know how I was gonna get through It's definitely love at first sight To see a precious little smile 
about that? He wants him to and who's to music? Who's to deny? Take Abbott. You better hit his music. Everybody goes down to the three count, right? Three count was ready for the promo. Tank cut him off. He wants to see the act, and here we go. Tank's got some moves going. I don't, I don't know if he wants to see the act or listen to the music. He really likes this music. Tank's swaving the motor. He can move. Who? Suave and debonair, I mean. I misread my scripted ad lib. Breakout has their fans here. There's the question. That's the question of the year. But why? Why? These guys are great. Freakout is great. Tank Abbott likes them. They got some new moves as well. Hey, if Tank Abbott likes them, we had all better like them. Tank Abbott is a loose cannon. But he loves three count, and that's proof. But of course, as good as DJ Ran is, he has nothing on DJ Tank, who gives three count the appropriate introduction they deserve as they come out for match number one. But not before Tank gets his moment in the sun. And may, I know I say this about him every week, but who thought that Tank Habit had this amount of entertainment in him? He's absolutely hilarious here, isn't he? Oh, he really is. I mean, his dance moves are brilliant. Um... I just wrote down, uh, Nitro has peaked at this point. You might as well turn it off because <laughs> this is uh, the main event. Exactly. Stop the show or give Tank Abbott the full 90 minutes. Whatever it is you're going to do, just never get this man off the TV. And I just love how, you know, this this absolute psychopath that they've modelled him as has attached himself to this wrestling boy band. And he just... You know, it just forces them to do his every bidding. It's it's brilliant. Yeah, it's a really good uh, concept and a good idea to have um, a character like this. I mean, we really could be doing with it today. We could. Uh, yes, uh, a little bit more on that later. But um, their opponents are the Young Dragons. So we should get some exciting six-man action, which gets even more exciting as Tank Abbott is subbing for an injured Sugar Shane, which Mark Madden comments is like the son of Sam joining InSync. That is a great description. <laughs> <laughs> it is mate and also um i know i rag on the guy but i didn't think evan courageous was that bad this week to be honest he he impressed me yeah same here i mean i just wrote uh, like did um free count ever feud with anyone else apart from the young dragons <laughs> do you know what i'm not sure i think i think they may have potentially feuded with I want to say it was Brian Nobbs. They, they they win the hardcore title as a team at one point, and I yeah. think it's Brian Nobbs the beat for the belt. I'm not 100% sure. Yeah, that does sound familiar. But, yeah, this match was actually really fun to watch as well because I kept thinking, when's Tank going to come in? And then when he does come in, he makes a massive impact, doesn't he? He really does. Like, uh, I, I love how he comes in for the finish, so... Uh, yeah, I know we're chugging along here, lads, but um, basically, you know, everybody's doing their best aerial manoeuvres um, from the ring to the outside. And Yang is just about to get involved um, when Tank literally forces him to stop and then hits him with the deadly right hook, allowing Shannon Moore to pick up the win uh, for the boys. And uh, yeah, absolutely fantastic match, wasn't it, to kick us off? It had comedy, it had in ring it was just it was excellent and the finish itself it was just as logical as it was hilarious i thought 
Yeah, it's a great point, Chris. It's logical um, because I guarantee you he's still feeling the effects of that punch today. Most definitely. I mean, maybe it was this punch that led him to think he was some type of, uh, you know, uh, West Texas redneck, eh? <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> and the effects are starting to be felt on the crowd as well, because you see quite a few pro-Tank Abbott signs in the crowd uh, towards the end of this match as well. One punch! Tank hit him so hard, he made him switch! And he needs to be rolled out as... Singh is what he said. There's only two of them there. Well, now there's Sugar Shane still with one bad arm. What a solid act. It's like Elvis and Colonel Parker. Three cotton Tank Abbott. Even injured, he's afraid to say no to Tank Abbott. Look at that. He's got his green square. Oh, look at Tanko. He's going to throw something out like that. I want to see Tank dance, though. You do? He's got some moves. Look at him. Break it down, Tank, baby. Yeah, who's to tell him he can dance, right? What a scene to open up Monday Nitro. Yeah, that was a really great one. Um, That escapes me now, but I do remember seeing there was quite a few, wasn't there? Yeah, there most definitely was. I mean, I, I can't remember what the main one said, but it was literally taking up the whole of the screen and uh i think yeah, i remember I thought, it wow. was it um tank lord of the dance that's the one yeah that was it and it was like um you know that that just hit me for six like you know this guy's really catching on he really is because there was definitely a lot of signs for him and they're all very um like colorful and things like that so they're definitely um again over the fans this this incarnation of tank is really really cool Totally, and long may it continue. But we do eventually have to cut away, apparently, and we cut to wrestling's answer to Keith Floyd, big sexy Kevin Nash, entering the arena before the cat plays the young dragons a visit. He praises their work before walking off with them to offer a proposition. Now, this is pre-speaking out, Danny, so I do hope that everything is on the level. Definitely. Um... This uh, is a bit, it was just a bit uh, weird, wasn't it, <laughs> this whole thing around it? It was. Now, giving nothing away, I've watched the episode of Thunder that follows this, just to check if Tank Abbott was on. Spoiler alert, he isn't. But we do find out more about what this proposition is. And um, it's entertaining, mate. So while we won't be covering it, I do recommend you watch it before we get to the Nitro. Yeah, definitely will, just to follow an order. Big Bad Bill Goldberg also shows up next, uh, turning up 10 minutes late to a hero's reception as well. So, once again, this heel turn's going down well, isn't it? Oh, it really is, yeah. I mean, he's just he's just not into it. Um, you could put it greatly there, um, hero's reception, because when he opened that door, it was like it was like Stone Cold walked through the door, wasn't it? Literally, and that's the thing. Like th- This guy is currently too big to have been given the heel turn i can see what they were trying to do but they haven't actually well like we said they haven't changed anything about him at all if they'd done something a bit quicker then you know who knows it it could have started to take off but the fans aren't going to take it seriously are they no definitely not especially when he's dressed like he's just stepped off the golf course (laughs) of course yeah but uh, one person that the fans 
should be starting to take seriously after tonight is Mike Awesome, who proves why they should by putting a poor production assistant through a table to make good use of Ambulance One. And this should have been the Mike Awesome we got from the beginning, mate, if he was to mean anything to WCW right now. Definitely. I've seen some matches of his from ECW. This seemed like the Mike Awesome from ECW that had just transported over to WCW. So, yeah, I agree with you fully. Yeah, this will be a running theme throughout the show as well. So, hopefully, anybody that watches this Nitro after listening to us yammer on about it, hopefully this guy will go up in your estimation. Um, We then get... uh, Really cool vignette paying tribute to the Outsiders. Danny, what did you think of this? Here's a special look at the Outsiders. Take a look at the video feature. Scott Hall and I formed what is now known as the NWO. We're the hottest new thing happening. I'll take two guys together by choice and two guys together by genetics. The World Tag Team Champs! Hey, yo! We said we'd do it. When I came here, it was all about a war. And the war continued. Anarchy! Anarchy! We hit. We're actually kind of the modern day gladiators. You look at it. Yeah. It kind of makes me, getting that kind of Spartacus mode. What would you rather have? Would you rather have the small shield and the dagger and try to boom, the shield and dagger? I might take the small dagger with the man. We suck up the world, baby! We're else on this planet actually get paid to beat people up. Those who hesitate, they get punked. We choose to be associated together. He's my boy, you know, I think he's my boy. He's done it all. The outsiders are on the inside! The wolf pack is very hungry! Turn that sound down, crap off! Abruptly, that video feature was stopped by Goldberg going to the video truck. I was actually shocked by this because I believe at this, I thought at this time, um, Scott Hall wasn't to be shown on camera at all, including mm. vignettes and things like that. So I don't know if this was like a favour to Nash or whoever, but. Yeah, I was actually shocked to see Scott Hall in WCW in 2000, even though it was a pre-tape, a little video package of his greatest moments. But yeah, I was quite shocked by it. Yeah, it did seem a bit odd, but it was uh, it was no less lovely to see, was it? Mm, definitely. And it was cool to, um, to actually inject him into this storyline as well. It was. But one person that didn't like it was Bill Goldberg, who runs to the production truck to turn it off before coming out to the arena to call out Hall and Nash. Now, obviously, Scott's not around, and this is all designed to hype up the big Nash versus Goldberg match at Bash at the Beach. However, this promo, I absolutely loved it, and I would have loved it even more if this was broadcast on the Nitro after his heel turn, because he actually starts going into some kind of legitimate reasons as to why he's turned against Kevin Nash and the fans. He alludes to the Outsiders' previous threats to undermine WCW and then takes shots at the fans for supporting them. And if we got this from the beginning, I think the fans would have started viewing him in a more negative light and I think the heel turn would have got over a bit. But I am glad that Bill's finally starting to get it. 
Definitely, mate. I mean, it's just injecting realism into the um, storyline because even Goldberg had wrote about this time when his book came out about um, his feelings towards Scott Hall and Kevin Nash. And yeah, it's, it's just adding realism into the promo, which is always a good thing. It is. Absolutely. And yeah, this is uh, this is when it can work out really well. But like I say, um, it might seem a little bit too little too late, but we'll 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 see how it all goes. eh? Definitely. Mate. But I was just wondering in this storyline, I don't know if the original plan was to bring back Scott Hall, because if it wasn't, it's kind of for nothing, isn't it? Well, it is really because, yeah, from what I can understand, there was no intentions of him ever coming back. So if anything, it makes this storyline just seem a little bit cruel, to be honest. Mm. Teasing the fans with uh, one of the most popular wrestlers in WWE at that point. Um, yeah, it's yeah. kind of, kind of naff. It is, really. But Bill's teasing of the fans eventually brings out Kevin Nash, who has four words for him. My time, why wait? And I miss this in my wrestling mood, uh, buddy. Uh, men of few words who try to take each other apart. It's all 20-minute monologues now. It was just good. Just get on with it. You know, why wait? Let's start scrapping. Yeah, it was really, really cool. Um, and the fans just love Kevin Nash at this point as well, didn't they? Yeah, they did. But we don't get to see too much of these two as Ernie comes out to spoil the fun and gets the locker room involved. Um, and while all this chaos is going on, Mike takes the opportunity to fill another ambulance as well, doesn't he? He does, yeah. Again, attacking people backstage, which I love. Um, but it's just like, okay, Michael, so what is your point here? But we do find out a bit later. So we then cut to the cat's office as he's talking to the mysterious Eric and promises to keep Goldberg and Nash apart. So let's hope he has a little bit of success with that, eh? We don't want him to lose his job now. No, we do not, especially this close to a pay-per-view. And another thing that I don't want to lose is 2000's best double act. Uh, however, that could be happening sooner than we think, as Terry Funk sets up poor Johnny the Bull for his final test, a match between the two of them for the hardcore title. I love this. Um, I like that it started backstage. That's a... a um... I don't want to say a crutch, but it's something that WSW did rely on a lot, was that the hardcore matches start at the back. I would love to see that today. Um, I mean, because it makes all the sense in the world. Why would two wrestlers that are fighting in a like a no-rules match start in the ring? Yeah, because they have to kind of pass each other backstage before they come out, <laughs> don't they? So yeah. it makes a lot of sense. And I, I liked the concept, really, and the fact that, you know, Scott Hudson plays to the fact that these are new rules. It starts yeah. backstage but it ends in the ring. And I also yeah. love this line from Scott Hudson where he said, who better to train Johnny the Bull in hardcore than Terry Funk? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much uh, known that um, Mick Foley's idol in hardcore was um, Terry Funk. So Terry Funk is the original of um, hardcore. So, yeah, I would say that's a legitimate question. But Killer spelled backwards gets a proper pasting, uh, but we do get some cool stuff from him, including a pile driver onto a steel chair from Johnny the Bull, as well as some chair shots that haven't particularly aged well. Yeah, that, that was a bit hard to watch, wasn't it? <laughs> it was, and uh, as a urology nurse, uh, the big moment in this match was also quite hard to watch for me because this match also has the infamous 
leg drop to the outside onto a chair from Johnny the Bull. And as this was happening, I thought to myself, Danny, that if he wasn't careful, he was going to split his scrotum open. And then I got thinking because I'd remembered that Johnny the Bull had picked up quite a serious injury from doing this move, but I couldn't remember when he did it. So I started doing a bit of research online, and it's this match where the injury happens. It turned out that he tore his urethra doing this move. Oh, that's not a good thing, is it? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, To all of our male listeners today, I can physically feel you all crossing your legs, as I just said. It turns out he tore his urethra. And you can see it for the rest of the match. You can just tell that the poor bloke is in agony. And, uh, yeah, uh, seeing how the hardcore title goes after this, it would have made more sense if they just threw up the X and let Terry Funk win this match. I I bet he was so happy that the ambulances were backstage. (laughs) Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, it it wouldn't surprise me if, uh, you know, there were five ambulances around just in case. But... um, you know, the big brave bull gets the win with a DDT onto a steel chair. As I was sat there wondering where my urology training was when Johnny the Bull needed it most. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, very entertaining match. Um, I love the fact that Terry Funk is on the show every week. So I'm really enjoying him. <laughs> Likewise. And uh, yeah, it, it would be nice if he does continue to stick around and maybe find himself a new partner. Um, but Danny, I know what you're thinking, and uh, what does this mean for the hardcore title match at Bash at the Beach? Well, don't worry, because on Thunder on the Wednesday, Big Vito just walks out with a belt round his waist. Oh, oh, wow. <laughs> that makes no sense, does it? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, you know, they they could have had, you know, a, a little tournament or a or a mass brawl or something like that at the pay per view. But no, they just give him it back. Ah, typical. But yeah, I mean, at least it's it's not being um, retired or anything like that. And we've all said, um, especially on this uh, show, the WWE Hardcore Championship is a much better looking title than the WWF Hardcore Championship. What do you think, Chris? Oh, I think it's beautiful. Uh, Again, the fact that it has a parallel with the original Mm. ECW title is a massive bonus for me. But yeah, uh, outside of the big gold belt, I'm sure I said this before, it is the prettiest belt that WCW had. Yeah, uh, I'll fully agree with that. I mean, for a long time, I just couldn't remember what it looked like, or I, I did, did, guess I didn't see it. But yeah, seeing it recently is just, it, this needs to be on television one way or another. <laughs> so, mate, here comes the supplemental question that I alluded to earlier. So, we have very much enjoyed seeing the KG veteran partnering up with the plucky young underdog rookie. So what I wanted to ask you, mate, in 2022, which legend and which up-and-comer would you put together in a mentor-mentee role? Oh, there was there's one I have on of it's been on my list for a long time. Um, it's actually Big Vito and Carmella because this was actually pitched by uh, Big Vito on a podcast um, on Vince Russo's show. And I've actually, I think that would be a really cool um, dynamic between them two. Um, what do you think? You just want to see him in a dress again, don't you? Yeah, on SmackDown, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> but in all seriousness, mate, um, I, 
to begin with, I made a bit of a face, but now that I think about it more and more, it could be pretty cool, actually. I do remember him pitching this hard, and he was like, I could be the manager, the Italian connection, or something like that. But when I I remember hearing it, I was thinking, that actually could could actually turn out to be good. Definitely, yeah. Honestly, I... I think that we, that is a dream partnership. I, I think we should campaign for that, in <laughs> all fairness. Let's do it, Let's mate. Let's do it indeed, well, mate. That's reverse, an excellent choice. If I reverse the question back on you, Chris, who would you um, partner up together? Oh, I wasn't prepared for that. But OK, I'll play along. Uh, let's see. Hmm. It's probably not going to happen for the next few years, but um, in an ideal world, let's say Billy Gunn and Austin Theory. Yeah, actually, I could see that. That's such a really good one. There you go, because it, it, it's the one main thing that Austin Theory hasn't really played to yet, is that if Jim Ross was still around in 2022 WWE, this guy would be getting called the best pure athlete in WWE week after week after week, <laughs> because that's what JR does when he can't think of anything nice to say about anybody that's currently still wrestling. He refers to them as the best pure athlete in WWE. So, pairing with the original uh, We Have Nothing For You guy and see what they can do with them. I, I like that as well. Or, or Jim Ross will go to their um, college uh, stats or something like that. But yeah, I could see that as well because they've got that Texas connection, Austin Ferry and um, Billy Gunn. So yeah, I yeah. could see that. Yeah, they do. And again, I mean, you know, they're, they're very athletic. I, I think from a kind of potential perspective, I do think that Austin Theory probably has the best chance of anybody on the main roster right now of potentially making a dent. I, I love the direction that his new character's taking. Um, so I would be all for that if Billy Gunn was to come back as a, you know, either a, a cocky manager or, you know, potentially something that quite like he did with AEW when they acclaimed, you know, something that would get him over without him having to actually change his character at all. Because I know I rag on AEW a lot, but I do think that the pairing of Billy Gunn and the Acclaimed is a proper success story from them this year. You just want to hear I'm an ass man again, don't you? <laughs> oh, no, not not even that. I want to hear Billy Ass and the Ass Boys. Yeah, <laughs> that is a tune. I absolutely cannot believe that AEW didn't try to source that track, even just for comedy potential if with a program with Danhausen or something it would have been absolutely awesome and we will be doing an episode on the original ass boy at some point boys and girls so do keep an ear out 100% mate <laughs> and we will definitely have that song on there copyright be damned I don't care I love it <laughs> but moving back to the year 2000 we cut to earlier in the day as a pyro malfunction took out Asia for the night and while i didn't like the fact that they were pulling the curtain back and showing people practicing during the day um i actually loved that they gave dale torborg a little bit more of a story in that like you know his world's crashing around him ever since he got rid of the demon persona yeah they're definitely um adding to that story and what i loved about this was it brought back the immediate um picture of do you remember when WWE did this with jeff hardy when, the, when he had the accidental pyro go off and things like that so oh, I, yeah. wondered, I always wondered where they got that idea from and now it's been answered <laughs> they actually ripped it off with wcw <laughs> that's it you know maybe they did i mean maybe that theory about um 
backstage people being signed during the invasion angle maybe did pay off and maybe there's a couple of pyro guys working for the company who knows <laughs> yeah that would make a lot of sense mate actually <laughs> So we cut to a very concerned Dale Torborg who is about to go to the hospital to visit his fiance until some random dude dressed as Sting gives him his old demon costume. So he decides to sack off the love of his life and get changed. Well, I, I couldn't believe that. <laughs> so he leaves um, poor Asia in the um, uh, burn unit, I assume. And uh, he'd rather just come out and play wrestler and get his uh, his wrestling tights on and his cape and everything. <laughs> exactly. And in a callback to a question from a previous episode, Daniel, when um, Meatloaf said he'd do anything for love, but he wouldn't do that, maybe Dale Torborg's that was, I will do anything for love, but I won't turn my back on the demon persona. That makes sense, yeah. <laughs> Especially with it the amount does. of money that... Um, Gene Simmons was making off of it. Exactly. He was probably the only person making money out of it as well, <laughs> knowing him. Bless yes. him. <laughs> but we also get a hint to one of the biggest missed opportunities around this time in WCW, as once the mask is taken off and it's revealed to be Vampiro that's given Dale the outfit, we also cut to a shadowy figure behind him as Christopher Daniels is in the background under that hood, overlooking proceedings. And I know we've talked about the missed opportunity with Haid Vanson back in the day, but at this point in WCW, Christopher Daniels was supposed to be the figure that was guiding Vampiro. Oh, wow, that would have been amazing, mate. It would, and the more I think about it, I could see them as a pairing at this time as well, mate. It would have been magnificent. Oh, definitely. I mean, oh, that would is that him there in the backstage? Because yeah. I found I found it very very helpful from Mark Madden, who was screaming, "Who's that in the background?" Because I wasn't focused on that at all until I heard Mark Madden say that. I went, "Oh, there is someone behind um, Vampiro." So that was really really cool. Yeah, that's it. I I think they call attention to it for about two or three nitros, and then it just miraculously disappears, which is a shame, really. But yeah, you know we. We could have got both AJ Styles and Christopher Daniels in the dying days of WCW. Oh, that would have been so good. But, yeah, it's just like another one of those things where Christopher Daniels was supposed to be um, the higher power and now he was supposed to be here. And, yeah, it's a real big shame. Another big shame is that WCW could be missing out on some pay-per-view dollars, Danny, because Goldberg is not prepared to wait until Sunday and demands that Ernie brings Kevin Nash to him tonight and you've got to feel for the poor fella because all he's trying to do is keep things running smoothly backstage yeah he definitely is and we see enough of him doing it don't we Friday night <laughs> <laughs> we do I mean honestly this this guy he's 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 busier than a ward sister I mean I, I can't believe the amount of irons he's got to juggle it, it's crazy I lost count I believe he was in about 11 or 12 segments but he, he might have been more Oh, definitely. I mean, he was he was seemingly all over the show. But again, um, I think this plays to the proper use of a general manager as well in that, mm. you know, you see him involved in a lot of the major decisions going on here. And there certainly was a lot less of the um, wrestler A comes out and makes a match against wrestler B this week, which yeah. was a nice touch because that's what we've been talking about a lot, isn't it? 
It is, mate. Yeah, I really enjoy that part of it that we didn't see um, that as much as we did uh, l- last couple of weeks. But yeah, yeah. Another part of something that I've enjoyed this week as well, Danny, is all of the tag team action we get. And we get another excellent tag team match here, surprisingly, as perennial one man's meat favourites, Jindrak and O'Hare, face Captain Wanker and Corporal Cajun, representing Captain Wanker's Dayglow Stoner Emporium. And is it me, Danny, or has Major Guns always looked about 50? Yeah, um, she just looked kind of the same throughout the entire WCW run, didn't she? But yeah, I was prepared for those um, names uh, that you were going to say about um, the MIA, and I was just, that's just hilarious. <laughs> Thank you, mate. I, I do aim to pop you uh, all the time, so I'm, I'm glad I'm seeing some success in this Christmas period. Brilliant, mate. But yeah, this match itself, um, I was going to say it was the best match of the night, but I can't say that about Hugh Morris, can I? (laughs) But it it was entertaining. It was entertaining. And I mean, to be perfectly honest, I mean, Captain Wanker was able to disguise his taking liberties as cooperation. So you you can probably say that he did his very best, you know. Yeah, definitely. And I just made a note here saying uh, Mike Awesome's um, dubbed theme uh, was just, it's just awful. Um, just pay Jimmy Hart, please. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it is It is getting daft, isn't it? But this is when I started to notice um, the fact that commentary were really working hard tonight as they absolutely made Jindrak and O'Hare sound like the next big thing that they were. Um, and when you think about it, WCW's tag division in the year 2000 was absolutely crazy. I mean, most, if not all, of the teams were decent. Yeah, it was really, really cool to see. You had Cronike, you had um, uh, even Harlem Heat um, appeared. Uh, the Steiner Brothers re- reunited. Uh, there was a lot of good tag teams in 2000. Buff Bagwell and Shane Douglas. Um, yeah. Yeah, there was just so many. There really was, uh, but this match absolutely did not disappoint, even though our favourites succumbed to Captain Wanker's deadly, I'm a massive wanker and this is going to legitimately hurt you, Moonsault, to win the match. But this was a much better than his effort with Major run over your daughter and drive off, wasn't it? It really was, but I just want to give a shout out to Mark Zindrak, who get who had a very very violent looking electric chair on Hugh Morris. Mm. That did look like a concussion to me. It did. I mean, it was it was really clever, but yeah, you're right. He he did probably come down a, a little bit too quickly. So yeah, maybe there was a little bit of um, stink on that moon salt by the end of it. Yeah, and then we get perfect event uh, running in, um, and they yeah. just beat down everybody, don't they? Yeah, talking of stinking, we can see our first appearance from the Ginetti twins, don't we, to ruin our enjoyment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I've I've got to say, mate, that, uh, I mean, I, I know I'm not that fair on the guy, but, but Meat totally endeared himself to me by giving Van Hammer a good shellacking. Yeah, same here, mate, for one night only. <laughs> for one night only. But, of course, it doesn't last long as Captain Wanker's Dayglow Stoner Emporium all gang up on them to get a measure of revenge, don't they? Yeah, they all beat down um, our favourites. And then just, yeah, that's pretty much it. And we go to the next segment. We do. So Ernie is now trying to play Kate Nash. However, he also wants a match with Goldberg tonight. So this is leaving the cat with a bit of a conundrum, isn't it? 
It really is. I, I believe this is we're up to number five of the cat's um, appearances backstage. <laughs> Yeah, uh, we should have done some sort of tally, really. But yeah, it's kind of, uh, it's not a case of blink and you'll miss him. It's blink and you'll see him, isn't it, really? Yep. And apparently he has an idea. Apparently he does. Uh, Yeah, as he's pleading his case to Uncle Eric, um, he realises that he can't have them fired. So yeah, he does get an idea, which sounds interesting. And what was also quite interesting is that um, while all this is going on, Mike Orson manages to find somebody to fit inside Ambulance 3, doesn't he? He does. I mean, those ambulance workers are really earning their money tonight. (laughs) They absolutely are. As are the poor production and security guys uh honestly you can you can feel the neck braces going on as we speak <laughs> definitely are they going to have anyone left for next week well i know that's it i mean crikey they're probably going to have to get the likes of uh, chris daniels and the Ginetti twins to man the cameras aren't they i mean we know that um the Ginetti twins can operate the production truck no problem so it, it'll be really yeah, we'll be, be alright. But we next get the greatest mid-card champion of all time as the chosen one, Jeff Jarrett, makes his way out. And I've got to be honest, mate, I, I loved the Southern-style promo, mate. I, I don't know about you, but, I mean, this reeked of old school and I was here for it. I did. Um, I just had a few um, problems with, the, uh, with how the direction went because... I think I said it last time we were talking about Nitro was um, Jeff Jarrett just did not feel like a, a world champion, even in this promo. He felt like a mid-card champion, as you put it, Chris. It was just like... And I think the biggest issue with this whole segment was where was Hulk Hogan? Yeah, he's he's not been here for seemingly any of the build at all, has he? And you'd at least expect him to film a vignette or an interview or something just to get himself there but i mean who knows maybe he was recording three ninjas eight or or something with a speedboat i don't know something yeah like i think he was but i mean that that really hurts jeff Jarrett, to be honest it hurts the entire wsw hulk hogan not being here um it's like yeah as you said why can't he just pop in for like a little vignette or jeff Jarrett goes to hulk hogan's house or something like that there's so many ideas we could have just seen but and he just didn't bother showing up, so it left Jeff Jarrett to do kind of comedy stuff. It did, and as as much as I liked the comedy stuff, um, so for for example, after Jarrett's finished talking about Hulk Hogan's age, he brings out the fat ladies that he's been talking about, and uh, again, props to Mark Madden, who comes up with the absolute line of the night. The bigger the waistband, the deeper the quicksand, and I am totally stealing that. <laughs> that was pretty cool but just quickly just to go back to Jeff Jarrett burying Hulk Hogan because of his age Jeff Jarrett is still wrestling today and he is older than Hulk Hogan was here yeah exactly <laughs> so it just goes to show you I mean again you know maybe uh, maybe someone will do a, a promo like that about him in AEW who knows you never know mate you never know <laughs> exactly my guess is Dante Martin let's go for that yeah <laughs> but I can see your point as well about the comedy uh, aspect as well. I mean, the the heel aspect of um, Jeff Jarrett here is is it's on fire, but he's just it's just not clicking because you just yeah. need that other man on, at the top of the stage or in the ring. If Hulk Hogan came down and just had a promo battle with Jeff Jarrett, it would have been a lot better and it would have probably sold more pay per views. 
Yeah, and the thing about this as well, as as much as I enjoyed it, and I I did enjoy it, if this was just to build up to a standard grudge match, say third or fourth match on the card, where the heel gets taught a lesson at the end, I would be completely all over this. I wouldn't shut up about it. But the problem is, is that this is supposed to be the build for the world title main event of the pay-per-view. And it was stuff like this that reaffirms the belief that Jarrett was a failure as WCW champion. Yeah, greatly said, mate. But I don't know about you, mate. The fat lady on the left was easily the best of the bunch. She was totally into it, wasn't she? Yeah, she really was. And the other two didn't seem like they were bothered, um, including one of them didn't even come out with the other two, did they? Did she? No, exactly. No, she was just going off on her own thing. Uh, but then, of course, um, this does end particularly badly as we get um, what I can only think is um, a Russo effort where we get the little poke at standards and practices, don't we? As some nameless guy in a suit takes a guitar from behind. Yeah, I mean, we knew it was coming, but yeah, he someone had to take that guitar shot. <laughs> I suppose they did, but it was all worth sitting through this because we finally get Ernie's master plan. So, Danny, Nash and Goldberg will be in the same ring tonight, but as part of a 20-man battle royal. And I thought this was really clever, not only because it was a correct use of a general manager, but you could just smell the shenanigans coming, couldn't you? Yeah, it was really, really cool. Um, he just came out. He was obviously flustered. He'd been upset all night because he'd been putting the show together. And then when he came out and just announced this, um, it made me really look forward to the main event. Yeah. But before we get to that main event, uh, we see Shane Douglas and Booker T preparing for their match. Before we catch Star of the Night, Ernie and Jeff having a row. But I think the cat could take him, to be honest. Yeah, I think he could as well, I mean, especially with his martial arts skills. Totally. I mean, you know, he's a, a three-time world karate champ, isn't he? And, and he's probably in some karate hall of fame somewhere as well. So yeah. he would he would absolutely legitimately win the world title, I think. And he probably wouldn't do a worse job. Yeah, definitely. And plus he could cut a really good promo. He could. I mean, that was, that was the joy of him. I think, uh, you know, that you can say what you will about his in-ring abilities, but... Um, why this guy isn't being used in any kind of managerial or management role of a programme or a wrestler is way beyond me at this moment because mm. he's still alive and kicking and I bet he'd do it if he was asked. Definitely, man. I mean, you could say that about why didn't he go to TNA for all those years as well? I mean, he, I was shocked he hasn't been in TNA. Well, I know. That's it. I mean, I, I know um, Rob and Dan aren't particularly the biggest fans of Ernest the Cat Miller and... I mean, he is one of those Marmite characters. He's someone I definitely appreciate more now than I did uh, when I was watching WCW at the time. But, uh, yeah, there's there's not a lot of characters like this in wrestling anymore. And sometimes I, I just like it to be a, a bit of old school. It's like I, I want to see more of the smart Mark Sterlings and Stokely Hathaways of this world, or at least when they are on, have them speak more. But um, I just want somebody to play a bloody... Shitbag manager, do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's a great comparison you made because both of them are very much like the cat was here in 2000. Yeah, they are. And it's a shame, really, because uh, especially in like Smart Mark Sterling's case, it's like he's he's managing 
somebody that's already a fantastic talker. So, you know, she, she certainly doesn't need him, but there are plenty of people there that could. Yeah, a lot. But there you go, mate. Never mind. Uh, back to the show, and we get uh, a lovely little recap package of Booker T and Canyon's feud before we get Booker T versus Shane Douglas in the ring. And I've always liked Shane Douglas, mate, especially his ECW run. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I've really enjoyed him uh, going back and seeing some clips. Um, I first saw him in TNA, and he was brilliant on the microphone there. Um, And yeah, he's just fantastic. I mean, yeah, he even his podcast is brilliant as well. He had a little podcast for a couple of years, and yeah, he just he's not he's not afraid to name names and tell you the truth. And that's what I like about him. And yeah, that's something that really took off in ECW. Uh, The part of ECW I'm watching right now is early '95. So you've got Raven coming in, which is fantastic, and you've got the start of the original Triple Threat, which is uh, Shane Douglas, Dean Malenko, and Chris Benoit. And Shane Douglas is absolutely just saying what he thinks about WCW in the early '90s, and uh, it's just mega. And at some point, it actually turns him face as well, which is just quality. Yeah, really, really cool. But yeah, would love to see him in the Hall of Fame one day. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see. I mean, um, you know, Kevin Nash has been saying a lot of very kind things about him on his podcast lately. So, you know, who knows? Maybe there is room for him. Yeah, definitely. But I quite enjoyed this match, even though it was um, completely full of interference from Canyon. I think given the context of what we're going to see at the Bash at the Beach, I think it works, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and it kind of plays to the fact that, you know, Booker is having to kind of fight from with um, underneath as well. And uh, it's it's where we need Steve to jump in, really, with, uh, you know, all this stuff going on with Booker. But uh, never mind. I'm I'm sure if I could afford to pay him, he'd do a Booker it better for us one day. What do you think? I think he will at some point, definitely. <laughs> but yeah, I, um... I bet you we see it on Twitter tomorrow. I'm telling you now. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> Um, Canyon coming out here and attacking Booker T is very logical but I found the most hilarious thing that his wig kept falling off and he kept trying <laughs> to put it back on <laughs> yeah you can you can kind of see the hair clips can't you it's, uh, it's very funny they should have just dyed his hair and had done with it I think do you know what Chris I actually thought they did <laughs> yeah because it looked a lot better didn't it and at, at some point they do I'm I'm sure in 2001 he has legitimately blonde hair. Yes, I think he really does. Um, but yeah, I actually thought that it very convincing. It was, and uh, this match was excellent, and Booker T was very convincing as the baby-facing peril. But he eventually manages to rally with a running forearm and an axe kick, and then Canyon finally gets thwarted when he tries to interfere again, allowing the bookend to be hit, and Booker T gets the win. But Canyon immediately pounces to soften his opponent for Sunday. But I do like this pairing of Douglas and Canyon, mate. I hope it isn't temporary. Yeah, pretty much. It's really, really cool. But I found um, at the end of this match, uh, when Canyon was attacking um, Booker T and things the, um, the bell just kept ringing and something I've been talking about with Sai on that channel is when there's uh, wrestlers like fighting after the match and stuff and the bell keeps ringing why does it keep ringing for like five minutes <laughs> yeah because it isn't like the wrestlers stop and walk away is it it's no. like if it isn't going to work 
just don't do it. And yeah, it's one of my bugbears as well, mate. I mean, everything's one of my bugbears as I because I seem to say it a lot, but it completely takes away from the match or whatever's going on, doesn't it? You just have that yeah. going on all the time. It's incessant. Yeah, they're definitely just trying to get some practice in or something, but it's like, it's so annoying. It's like, okay, we get the point, right? I was shocked that one of the wrestlers hasn't gone over and attacked the bell, um, the uh, timekeeper. Yeah, hey, that that would be quite a cool thing to do, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, maybe get the Good Brothers on that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> so after this match, we, we cut to a smoky space. And as the smoke clears, we get the reveal that the demon is back, baby. Yep, and time for another payday for Gene Simmons. <laughs> Absolutely, yep. Uh, he can he can smell the dollars. Do you know? I'm I'm surprised he hasn't tried to um, hit the WWE Network with some kind of a residual contract. I think I had a theory about that. I think because maybe the song is so unknown that maybe it can just fly under the radar. <laughs> Well, that's the thing, because we get God of Thunder playing at least three times on this episode, yeah. don't we? Yeah, and I was backstage um, when they were showing them rehearsing, and I was like, mm. how can that be um, shown? But we can't have like uh, some of the glorious themes that we grew up watching. Oh, yes, I know. Oh, mate, again, coming at some point in 2023 to One Man's Mate, we will be discussing on a regular basis wrestling themes because i think between us danny and i could either do a six hour episode or six one hour episodes couldn't we definitely mate but what i loved about this was that the demon showed anger yes exactly it's kind of there's that parallel isn't there so dale torborg is obviously the human side of the persona and kind of wants to live his normal life and then the demon comes out and that's when the the kind of the fury dissipates and it was really clever i mean you know this guy was well apart from the the lack of the wrestling skill he's almost a prototypical finn balor isn't he yes definitely this is where finn must have got his um, inspiration from <laughs> totally yeah completely he was watching wcw worldwide on channel five at the time because to be honest ireland was probably the only place where you could get a decent signal on your aerial to watch it <laughs> And he was like, that's for me. Definitely. I, mean, I wouldn't be shocked if he wasn't. No, exactly. That's it. Yeah. Um, we'll have to see if he's got any sketchbooks with, uh, you know, him as, um, let's see, which which member of Kiss would he be? Maybe the cat or Starman. Yeah. I could, I could see him with a little painted on whiskers. Yeah. Maybe next week's Raw. <laughs> Wonderful. Oh, that would be great if um, Judgment Day came out as Kiss. And they could now. There's four of them. Oh, that would be brilliant if they reenacted that um, skit that they did on WCW where they had um, Kiss come out and uh, um, do air guitars and things like that. Mm. Oh, yeah. Oh, it, it'd be great on a Halloween episode, at least. So, Ernie is in the back with insert heel mid-carders here, who demands that they keep Nash and Goldberg separated during the Battle Royal. Do you think they're going to have any success? I mean, Disco Inferno is part of that troupe. Yeah, and he seemed a bit angry at the uh, notion that he was just being lumped in with the rest of the guys. But in the middle of them was Booker T, who had just had a match. That's a segment to come, mate. It's it's not this one. Oh, all right, yeah. But yeah. I th yeah. Oh, yeah, he's the next one, isn't it? Yeah. But after some story so far, we finally get Vampiro versus the Demon. 
And I miss characters like Vampiro in wrestling, Danny. I mean, I'm glad that Bray Wyatt's back, but this current storyline is dragging on a bit for me. And I I just like characters that are, you know, the supernatural element, but kind of, you know, it's not guess what's going to happen. It's blatantly in your face. I mean, I thought the QR code campaign was very clever, but it just got very boring very quickly. No yeah. offence to Benny Mac because I know he loved it and I loved his analysis because um, I can't watch WWE weekly because we, we can't afford it. But it was just, it, it sounded to me like an absolute chore to watch week by week, having to kind of look for these little QR codes. It it would have it, it would have done my fruit in. Yeah, I mean, that's I fully agree with that. It's just like, um, we do need a little bit of Supernatural back, don't we? I mean, if it all goes back to um, the one good thing is uh, AEW just had Kevin Thorne on, yeah, or Mordecai as we call him. Um, <laughs> and but the problem is they just didn't give him an entrance, and I was like, oh, no, it just drove me crazy. It was like you had this man and you had him in full gimmick and you didn't give him an entrance. Like nah. that's the thing. Like they've done little hints to things, haven't they? So like uh, even even before Kevin Thorne, you know they've. They've randomly had Raven sitting in the crowd. You know, nothing ever got picked up on that. And it is a shame, but uh, it's kind of... Um, I'm, I'm probably going to get a lot of hate for this, but um, kind of after the new breed angle in the WWE version of ECW, after that, you suddenly started getting all of these, like, misfit toys and darker elements coming in. So you had, like, Big Daddy V great Carly, obviously Kevin Thorne was still around for a bit and kind of there was so much kind of uh, um, the the boogeyman as well and they started ex- experimenting with a lot of this weirder stuff and yes I know the ECW purists hated it and I can see where they're coming from because I was an ECW purist but it was just what I needed at that point in my fandom was just a show that didn't take itself too seriously and kind of got all of those characters that would only get so far on the main two shows and actually just let them run with things on this relatively short programme. And, yeah, I, I absolutely loved it. And I want more of it now. Yeah, that's greatly put, mate. Why, thank you, young man. And um, I've got to say, mate, the Demon's entrance is cool as well. Coming out of that um, that Iron Maiden, it was, oh, it was just mega. Yeah. The only thing that I regret about the whole demon thing, because the character's brilliant, Dale Torborg's great in it, but I'm so disappointed that Crush said no to doing this. Oh, did he? He did, yeah. He was the original demon for one match and then said, I I can't do this. This is ridiculous. (laughs) And that's coming from Crush. (laughs) Wow. Oh, that would have been brilliant if he came. Oh, that's just can't. What could have been? I know. And what do you think of Kiss, mate, since you're somebody that loves uh, that sort of music? Kiss, um, I, the first song I ever heard of them was um, God Gave Rock and Roll to You. Um, I, mm. I, yeah, I, I heard that on a classic um, rock album when I was about 10 or 11. Um, I, I enjoy them. I can see their appeal of like, uh, but I've seen a lot of controversy about them. And But I, I thought if you take them at face value, I think they're a really, really cool band. Yeah, I mean, the, the look is brilliant. I mean, this is a guy that is very fond of bands like Slipknot, 
Mudvayne, obviously the Insane Clown Posse. So I, I'm all about the theatrical side of the music. Um, a lot of it is more the music that they do. So the live show is an absolute spectacle. But for me, I can just about tolerate late 70s, early 80s Kiss. So stuff like God of Thunder, Love Gun, all that sort of thing. But when they started getting a bit ballady um, and a, a little bit kind of soft rocky, it wasn't for me. But you you can't fault a band that have managed to kind of merchandise everything and, you know, have such a, a rabid fan base. I mean, it's it's something that you've really got to respect, whether you like the music or not. Yeah, definitely, mate. And they've had so much success and so many... Um retirement tours that have done really good i mean they're still, mm. they're still touring to this day yeah it's it's the longest retirement tour ever i mean i think it'll it'll literally be a, a death tour they'd have to make some sort of pact where you know they all they all do a a rick flair and die on stage who knows <laughs> yeah we can see that yeah but mate another thing that i liked about this uh particular match segment so much is it's it played to the proper grudge match formula. There's no lockups to start. There's no finesse. It's punches. It's kicks. It's violence. It's hooking. I absolutely loved it. And again, commentary played to the fact that, you know, Dale Torborg was wanting to ditch the darkness, but Vampiro was poking at him to do it because Vampiro is a character that embraces the darkness. The commentary was on fire. Yes, definitely, mate. I mean, they just told you that story that you needed um, as these two were just, just rocking and rolling in the ring. Um, you had the commentary just adding the um, lyrics to it, and it was really, really cool to see that even a lot of stuff like this will get lost in um, history. But this is, I mean, it's so good, this feud. It is, and it plays to the whole theme of, like, everybody in WCW at this point had something going on. I mean, you know... The Kiss Demon, I mean, don't, don't get me wrong, it's something that wouldn't even have started in WWF at the time anyway because, you know, Vince McMahon doesn't particularly like going this far with regards to endorsements for, for bands and stuff. But, you know, this is, this is a character that really didn't look like it was going to go anywhere and yet it got a good, like, nine months out of it. I mean, it's... It's it's really it's really something when you think yeah. about it, you know. I mean, this this wouldn't have got three weeks on SmackDown, would it? No, definitely would have been pulled immediately. But yeah, um, it's definitely a highlight of two thousand WCW. Yeah, and it had a uh, you know a uh, well. I'm a bit biased because I like the supernatural, but I thought the finish was really good, like um, with regards to what it hinted to. Yeah, definitely. It's like um, you had the Druids come out. That is the coolest looking Druids I've ever seen. They they beat the Undertaker's Druids 100% because them coming out in the Sting masks, really, really cool. Yeah, it was really cool. And I liked how, I mean, for me, I, I won't say it kept the audience guessing because I've I don't know them, but it certainly kept me guessing because obviously Vampiro had won the Sting Mask backstage. You thought, like, is this something that he was going to do? And then, of course, they start pointing the bats towards Vampiro. The lights go out. And then when they come back on, he has mysteriously vanished. And if I haven't said this enough times, I'll say it again. Six words. Bring back the spooky into wrestling. 
yes let's let's do it let's put on a t-shirt <laughs> <laughs> we should yeah if i if i ever decide to uh, well i need to have a word with uh with with site to be honest uh, about you know setting up some kind of a a merchandising thing because yeah that that is definitely that is getting put on a slogan on a t-shirt definitely bring back the spooky into wrestling big meaty cool says bring back the spooky into wrestling definitely right the meat guy agrees on the back brilliant we'll 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 sell a million (laughs) (laughs) but there you go but um sadly things do return to normal well not not sadly because um ice train is talking to the filthy animals about Something we don't actually get to find out before Ernie goes to see insert babyface mid-carders here to demand that they try to keep Nash and Goldberg separated too. And like you say, um, Booker T played Disco Inferno here, didn't he, to kind of state the case for the lads? Yeah, he did. And it was kind of disappointing to me because obviously nobody, well, very few people knew Booker T would be the world champion in six days from this, but six days uh you're going to be the world champion and you're sat in the same room in the same segment as this going <laughs> but mate you could tell that this was a pre-tape because um unless that is the face you make when you tear your urethra johnny the bull is walking around just fine in the locker room oh yeah he was wasn't he yes. yeah that was, said that yeah that completely flew past me but yeah wow he was there exactly yeah but there you go. That's that's the thing that actually made me laugh on that. I was like, flipping heck. I wonder when they taped this. But there you go. <laughs> yeah, definitely. He'd be 100% on the way in the uh, ambulance by this point. If not, he would, yeah. And uh, no doubt singing Top C. But there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but we then get David Flair trying to calm Daphne down. And I, I couldn't understand this because I, I was pretty sure that David Flair had made no secret of the fact that he was knocking off Miss Hancock. I mean, who wouldn't? <laughs> well, I know, exactly. I mean, you know, I mean, to be fair, nothing against Daphne. She's a very attractive woman, but but you're right. If you're if you're writing a storyline like this, um, you don't immediately flip flop to the fact that David Flair is still with Daphne. I mean it's we, yeah. we all know that he has blatantly been having his way with uh, with young Stacey. He certainly has, but I mean, this segment, this backstage segment, when um, David Flair's um, blocking the television, I just kept looking mm. at the television and thinking, wow, I can't believe we used to watch those because um, those televisions had so many wires in them. And if you look at TVs now, it's like night and day, isn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's it. I mean, you know, uh, I certainly don't miss those big. Uh cathode ray tvs absolutely not i mean that's the thing if you if you see one of those tvs shot with a a modern camera now you wouldn't be able to make the picture out either so no no but this segment it was really cool because it showed Mm. david flair was trying to be well what's a scumbag and he was just trying to yeah um hide um stacy keebler in the ring miss hancock in the ring and try and hide her away from daphne and then um he asks her to get um uh, like a, I wrote down Gaviscon because that's all I could. Yeah, uh, that is basically <laughs> what it is. But it yeah. was it it was really funny because that because you're right, he's he's hiding uh, Daphne from seeing Miss Hancock. But at the same time, whenever Daphne looks away, David's getting a sneaky look at the TV, and I just thought it was brilliant. I mean, yeah. you know, I know he can't wrestle, 
but who would have thought he had such amazing acting range as a character? Yes, it certainly does. I mean, it's something WWE never capitalised on because I, I don't think I remember him. I think he had one match on SmackDown and they never brought him in as a character ever again, did they? No, and he really could have done something. I mean, I I don't know what as such, but I mean, he was, he was just charismatic enough to maybe be a a backstage interviewer that occasionally, you know, had to wrestle because of his connection to his dad or whatever. Yeah. Like, you know, when The Undertaker beats him up in that segment yeah. uh, from, I'm assuming it was at, at Deep South or something. Oh, yes. Oh, VW, who knows? But I, I, I think he was at Deep South at the time. But um, they did it a lot with Josh Matthews, didn't they? There was that time where, uh, you know, he got involved in Booker T's feud with JBL in 2004 but that's the thing, like you you could have had him involved with whatever heel was trying to get to Ric Flair. Um he, he wouldn't have done too bad a job, I think. I like that idea because it's like it shows that he's just an announcer, but yeah, he'll have the odd match and then you never know, he'll he might perform good and then but the problem is he would always be living in his dad's shadow. And that's the thing, it's like you look at Charlotte Flair and you know what whatever people think of her um, you you can't deny that she's good at what she does. And yes, there might be some nepotism involved as to why she's got the title as much as she has. But when she gets in the ring, yeah, you know that she's Ric Flair's daughter. But you're not denigrating the fact that, oh, well, look at this. You know, she's obviously got this success because she's blatantly Ric Flair's daughter. It's helped, but she's also focused on her craft. Yeah. Whereas... I'm sure David Flair did his very best, but some people just don't have that necessary coordination or skill level needed to be at the level of your famous father. So you're always going to be compared unfavourably. It's like, again, going back to um, Acceptable in the 90s, I've made a big deal about how much I hate Eric Watts. But looking at him subjectively... He's actually not that bad of a worker. It's just the fact that because of his dad being in charge, he was put in a position far too quickly for his skill level. But actually, he wasn't that bad of a wrestler. It's just that when he did make a mistake, it was all the more noticeable because of the position that he was in. And I think the same thing would have happened for poor David. Yeah, that's greatly put, mate. It's, um but I'm happy David Flair had stuck it out and lasted mm. till the end of WCW. Um, so it's really, really cool. Yeah, because he was actually quite an enjoyable character. And his, his pairing with Crowbar, I'd have made them tag team champions as well, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, definitely, mate. But um, poor David's ruse doesn't work out too well. Um, but beforehand, we see Miss Hancock in the ring in an outfit so short to make sure that Mark Madden could not stand up in a hurry if there was a fire that night, eh, mate? <laughs> yeah, certainly, That's that was the cause. But, yeah, um, she just does a little dancing here and things. And then um, uh, Crowbar comes out with um, uh, hair, hair clippers. Yeah, I mean, this is, this is something that um, in 2022 would probably get a lot of uh, fury if it happened 
in a modern day ring as you know is essentially menacing the poor girl i mean mm. she started it and it makes a lot of point but somebody would have a problem with it definitely man. i think crowbar's house would be burned down <laughs> absolutely you know even if it happened in their precious aew where rainbows and unicorns are allowed to fly freely and it doesn't matter who you have for your breakfast it's all absolutely fine you know even if it happened in there they would go absolutely berserk but mm. ever the dutiful girlfriend daphne comes out once david flair is forced out to bring david his medicine but i'm not talking about the gaviscon i'm talking about the daffers to the jaffers as it turns out that crowbar and daphne were in cahoots and i absolutely loved this again we're going back to what we said what you said earlier everyone has something to do in WCW at this point this yeah. storyline to me this is my favorite storyline outside of the um tank Abbott stuff because yeah. this storyline is really really cool to, to see it's like um the four individuals here they're just playing their roles really really cool yeah and i loved crowbar in this kind of big brother role of like you know feeling that he has to protect Daphne who's been through an awful lot and is you know getting more and more fragile it was all just very clever and even kind of how this ends you know as um I mean he doesn't do a very good job of it but you know David Flair um attempts to shave some of Daphne's hair off and then plants the evidence on Crowbar uh as he comes to um, and like I say, she shouldn't be too upset about the fact that someone's had a go at her hair because it doesn't look like David's done an awful lot. I mean, she she, she looked like cousin it, didn't she? She had a ton of hair. <laughs> yeah, she had a lot. Um, and you wouldn't guess uh, hid behind that blue wig. No, exactly. Like it, that looked like it was her actual hair. So when when they took that off, and it was kind of like the old Timothy adverts from the eighties when everything just seemingly came down to her knees. I was like, how on earth do you hide all that in there? <laughs> it's crazy yeah but crowbar attempts to plead his case and we then get a meaningful end to mike awesome's attacks as one awesome bomb later and a good shellacking ambulance four is filled with dangerous devon storm and even the cat enjoyed that yeah he certainly did i mean this is we've gone on his 10th appearance now <laughs> mm. But he did enjoy it. He did. And I like this because this actually does lead eventually to um, uh, a bit of a short-term feud between Mike Awesome and Crowbar. And uh, they play off each other really well, even with some of the um, baffling character turns that are coming Mike Awesome's way. Crowbar actually gets involved in them. And it's 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 really good. I mean, these these guys do end up having good chemistry together, mate. So that's something to look forward to. Definitely, mate. So, Ernie enjoyed seeing Mike Awesome put a hurting on Crowbar, and he especially enjoyed Ice Train bringing Tigress to him, who leads him away before we cut back to the arena to witness K-Dog and the Hip Hop Inferno come out to stink up the ring, as they announce that they'll be interviewing Landstorm and Kidman. Or are they, Danny? Yeah, we're getting another one of those famous wrestling parodies, and I have to say, Rey Mysterio... Um, certainly had the same uh, ring attire and the hair of um, Landstorm, didn't he? <laughs> he did, and he was an absolute natural in the Landstorm role, whereas um, 
Hoovy did his best, but I don't think he really got it, did he? He wasn't a very convincing kidman. No, he wasn't. <laughs> but um, sadly, Rey Mysterio was cut off because I was really, I was really enjoying what he was going to say. Yeah. Uh, he, he cut off at the line when he said, "With I'm from Canada, where we don't raise our voices to make our point." And then he got cut off. I was thinking, "Oh, I would have loved another couple of minutes of Rey Mysterio being Lance Storm." Definitely, definitely, it, it would have been so much fun. Uh, but um, again, we get a fantastic tag match as the genuine article of Lance Storm and Kidman come out for a tag match against Rey Mysterio and Juventud Guerrera, and of all the rematches to do from the previous Thunder, this was the right decision because that match was a banger and so was this one. Even Hoovy had a good day. No more Mr Bean of Lucha for him. Yeah, definitely, mate. But I love that the commentary was really into this as well. Mark Madden said, Landstorm hit Landstorm and he was just uh, adding up to it. So it was really, really cool. Yeah, he's he's so underrated, Mark Madden. Like he's an excellent colour guy. He really is. Yeah, and I know people will hate this, but I think he did a good a good job of replacing Bobby Heenan because if Bobby Heenan was to get fired, then I'd rather have someone like Mark Madden be on there than Mike Tanay or something like that. Yeah, this is the thing. Like Bobby Heenan is an absolute legend, but um, to see him on Thunder, um, especially the Thunder that follows this episode, and like you said last time, you can just tell that He's not enjoying his time at the moment and that he's just waiting to either be let go or have his contract run down. Uh, So like you say, um, I know Mark Madden gets a lot of bad press and people do like to rail on him on social media. But you can't deny that whether the guy's playing a character or if this really is him, and I'm inclined to think that, he does a really good job. Yeah, he really does. He puts his effort in. And I, was, I just remember being shocked to learn that he's actually fired um, at the end of 2000, which, um, well, I mean, that's for another mm. uh, show. But, yeah, I'm just, I can't believe they would fire him. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, I am glad that they didn't get rid of Mark Hudson, though, as uh, I love the fact that he refers to the Hip Hop Inferno as Dim Shady, who yes. gets involved in the finish of the match, doesn't he? <laughs> He does, yeah. I thought that was brilliant. Yeah, Scott Hudson is fantastic. He is, and again, it's it's absolutely criminal that he's not working for a company somewhere because he's he's just very good at what he does. I'd I'd love to see him again as a backstage interviewer on Impact, or maybe even an yeah. LW now that they're getting a a little bit more um, of a focus put on them. Definitely, mate. But just to go back to the finish, I I do remember um, Rey Mysterio hitting a, a top rope bulldog from the top rope, um, as you would, uh, and it, it, his um, face lands on the chair, doesn't it? Kidman's face lands yeah, on the chair. that's right. But the referee, did you see where he was looking when that happened? Uh, was it right at the chair? Yes. <laughs> and was it a DQ? No, it was not. It was a clean pin. And do we suspect it's Tony Schiavone's fault? Yes. <laughs> Tony, you rascal, you. We, we need another rematch of these guys. We, we've got to get a rubber match. Um, it, it's not on the Thunder. There's a match involving them in Thunder, but it's not that. But I tell you, if we don't get this on the following week's Nitro, I will go absolutely tits. Same here, mate. Same here. <laughs> 
Yeah, and we've had three very good tag team matches tonight, which has uh, really raised my view of this episode of Nitro in my eyes, because I love tag team wrestling. Yeah, same here. So you're not Vince McMahon, then? Absolutely not. No, <laughs> no. I mean, I've I've not even got the noticeable hairline, although, you know, I, I could argue that... Um, Bobby Lashley beat my representative Umaga at WrestleMania 23 and it just never grew back. <laughs> <laughs> and another thing that we've got coming up that I'm very much looking forward to that uh, continues to move a story along is we get Vampiro who lays a challenge down to the demon to face him in a graveyard match at Bash at the Beach before Nash tells Goldberg that he will be easy to find in the battle royal so again two relatively decent storylines getting moved on there and um honestly mate this is just reinforcing my view that um we need to do a standalone review of bash at the beach for one man's mate definitely mate because graveyard match when vampiro said that i was thinking i've never actually seen that but very very interesting character because he's had a human torch match and now graveyard match. I'm assuming that's um, like a buried alive, but I could be wrong. But that definitely intriguing. And he's he's the kind of character where these kind of spectacle matches work really well, isn't you know, isn't he really? Yeah, I mm. mean, um, it's something WWE really didn't do because I guess you can say they did with the Undertaker, but they didn't have specific match types for characters. Mm. I can only think of. Um, Kane and The Undertaker having those treatments, but you, someone like Vampiro, who's not a main eventer by any means at this point, um, getting his own uh, collection of matches is really, really cool. It is, and it's something that I think it endears characters to fans if you can make associations like that. So, again, you know, looking at The Undertaker. Obviously, the guy's synonymous with so many things there. You know, there's the Hell in the Cell. There's the Buried Alive matches. Of course, as terrible as some of them are, the casket matches. He's got so much associated with him. And again, here, um, Vampiro came into WCW with the background of being a, a relatively dark heartthrob in AAA and CMLL. And then, obviously, when he comes into WCW, they play on the darker aspect of his character a lot more. And, you know, he starts doing matches like this. You know, he has the association with, like, you know, some of the, like, horror punk bands like The Misfits. You know, he gets into that stable with ICP. And they they really put a lot into this character. But it's stuff that's believable. You know, this this isn't putting Mike Awesome in a in a leisure suit and giving him the Partridge family bus. This is taking a character where everything they're doing with him right now makes a lot of sense because it seems like the sort of thing that he'd be into. Yeah, hundred percent, mate. And not satisfied with tonight's personal path of destruction, the career killer Mike Awesome, as he always should have stayed, calls out Scott Steiner to the ring. And did you notice Violent J in the background as well? No, I didn't see that. I, compl- I completely missed it. Okay, so it wasn't actually Violent J, but it was a, a young lad in the crowd painted up like him. You know, maybe you'd seen, uh, you know, the Danhausen from the future and thought, I could do that. Probably, mate, yeah. <laughs> no, that's pretty cool. And of course, we are reminded that Mike Awesome is being so brave and tough calling out Scott Steiner because he's not actually around. He's serving a suspension. So obviously, they call for the bell to be rang 
and the ref starts counting Steiner out. So what becomes a nice rehabilitation of Mike Awesome is thwarted for the simple fact that, as this gentleman points out, if you're going to call out a Steiner, make sure that both Steiners aren't around as Rick Steiner comes out to defend his brother's honour, which was very cool, mate, but weren't Rick and Scott feuding a few weeks ago? They were, certainly, but I guess blood is thicker than water, but... Oh, not, logic. not as yeah exactly or not as thick as the mullets that Mike Awesome has and he tries desperately to get over as a a, a chance when he's saying hey, 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 Danny enough. he's not a mullet <laughs> it's just <laughs> not gonna work Chris I mean it was no. a rip-off of I'm not a nugget I found yes or, that's or, what I was thinking the whole time is yeah. that or I am not a because I just hate when the crowd have to be led into the chance, um, especially coming from a heel. It's just so... Uh, like, but um, it's, he could cut a decent promo, but I just didn't like that. I mean, who hates mullets? Exactly. I mean, if I could grow one, I'd have one. Same. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you're right. It's kind of... He was doing so well on the promo front and he was I was really impressed and then he played on that whole thing it's kind of like they were trying to say to him right they've got to focus on something with you there's got to be something that you're going to let people know really rankles you and I think it just did away with the whole thing like if they'd if they'd played into the more cocky heel aspect of this in that he was purely doing this because his opponent wasn't around that's absolutely fine but yeah yeah it just dragged things out and it ruined it a bit, really, for me. It did. Did um, this lead to uh, Mike Horston versus Rick Steiner on Thunder? Yes. Yeah, it does. That would be the, that's what I thought, um, just the assumption, either that or the next week's Nitro. I thought it had to lead somewhere. No, it does. It's it's a, um, a bit closer to the end. Um, and, of course, once we get round to watching Bash of the Beach, you'll be a little bit more clear on where things are going to go for the Steiner brothers as well. Um, oh. You'll either like it or you won't But that's as much as I'm prepared to say oh. <laughs> um, But we now get our um, A typical six minute main event of the show Which is the 20 man battle royal As Ernie gives Team Midcard Force Their last lot of orders So Nash comes out first um, But I Correct me if I'm wrong, mate, but this match doesn't seem like a, a battle royal that I know. It plays out more like a gauntlet to begin with, doesn't it? It does, yeah. Um, you make a great point about the six-minute main event because when the bell rang, there was four minutes left. <laughs> yeah, and it was the same on, on, on the last Nitro. I, I think yeah. there was like seven minutes to go, um, and that's fine. It's it's TV. Yeah. I, I don't have a problem with that. The thing with um, your main event for a TV... It's either if it's going to be a match, it's got to be something short and sweet. Yes. If it's a spectacle, which, spoiler alert, this match ends up being, again, it needs to be short and sweet. If you drag yeah. it out, no one's going to want to watch next week. Very that, true. that is my thoughts and feelings. Uh, a lot of the reasons that people have a problem with Raw, even now when it is getting markedly better, is that A, for a start, the program is still too long. B, they still get the feeling that they've got to do paper length paper length pay-per-view length matches every week and they don't have to like what what happened to those days back in 1998 where your matches could be seven eight minutes long and people enjoyed them not everything yeah. has to be 40 minutes 
Oh yeah, hundred percent right, mate. And it's like, especially headed into a pay per view because this is the mm. last night before Bachelor Beach. So it's like, okay, we can see this spectacle, and then you're going to order the pay per view anyway. So yeah, yeah. And it was really clever as well because we we kind of get the impression it's not really bashed over our head too much, but it, it's alluded to that the cat's done this on purpose. So like, while you know, Big Kev makes light work of you know the first three of the filthy animals we then start to get guys like the genetti twins coming out Vito comes out canyon comes out both of them have got weapons and the cat's not letting the baby faces out so this is softening nash up for goldberg before booker you know leads the crew out uh, to try and um help out nash uh, although they all seem to get eliminated quite quickly leaving Goldberg to come out as the final entrant. So Nash manages to eliminate Disco and Vito before taking the devastating mule kick from Goldberg. However, the eliminated baby faces are still outside and they assist Nash in eliminating Goldberg as chaos ensues. And we get one of my favourite things in WCW. We fade to chaos and for me at the peak of nitro and you're going to get a lot of this on nitro nights you will want to know exactly what happened because there will be lots of this lots of we're out of time see you next week and honestly it's it's a trope that i wish companies did a lot more of yeah. these days as well not everything needs to be cut and shut especially in a period where you've got established stars facing established stars every week keep us wanting more because we're not going to want it if we see clear finishes every week definitely mate yeah i can see that and that's nitro mate it's been another 90 minutes of fun chaos hasn't it it really has yeah i really enjoyed this um nitro despite seeing the cat 18 times <laughs> but um no no it was a really good there was some good action in this a lot of good matches and uh it's the moments isn't it that's what and of course tank who how can we forget of tank? course tank absolutely we cannot forget tank and i like what you were saying about the moments because uh we're probably not going to get a one man's meat episode out of the two of us together before we get to 2023, mate. So uh, I just wanted to take the time to embarrass you through the audio medium just to thank you for the many awesome moments that we've had together in 2022. And I'm sure we've got more to come in 2023, mate. Thank you so much for wanting to do the one man's meat project with me mate i've i've loved every minute no thank you mate I've, thank you for trusting me and uh, selecting me as well because i've been it's been really really cool this past year we've done this a year now isn't it like, yeah we started planning it so that's yeah, it it's really really cool yeah and what is really cool as well i've absolutely loved it mate is that you have quite literally spread your wings and you are becoming the star that you deserve to be so before i go through the socials that we normally get to on these episodes do please tell our lucky listeners where they can hear more and more of you because danny i love everything that you put together mate 
uh, you can find me on Twitter at Scottish Juggalo. You can hear me on um, here, One Man's Meat, with the great Chris Bellis. You can hear me on Nitro Nights with the great Sire Powell. And you can hear me on Back When with the great Ty Peters, where we'll be discussing nostalgia things, not just mu- not just wrestling, but music, films, and things like that. So, yes, it's been a really good year. And me and you have done a few podcasts, haven't we? We have done one or two, mate, and uh, we will be doing more Watch This Space, but I would love to give a little bit of focus to back when, because, Danny, I can't even say it's been a guilty pleasure. It's been an absolute pleasure of mine as back when. Uh, I listen to every single episode not knowing what's to come, and I just get this wave of nostalgia over me, bud. I mean, you know, your most recent episode... You reviewed Halloween with Tyler. I absolutely adored it. You've reviewed, you know, classic episodes of SmackDown, classic albums. uh, And honestly, every time you've done something like this, I've either gone to watch whatever you've reviewed, even though I've watched it a thousand times, or I've dug out my big dusty crate of CDs from the loft. Uh, I, I hadn't listened to Metal Health in about 15 years, mate, because... Um, Quiet Riot were a band that I got sick of pretty quickly, but do you know what? I listened to that album in the car solid for a week. Oh, brilliant. This, I really enjoyed doing that. Thank you, Chris, for that. That's been brilliant doing that show with Ty. You're very welcome, mate. And I also want to extend thanks once again to our pod daddies, UTT Rob and Dan Griffin, for extending the time to us to actually go through these episodes where Tank Abbott isn't just building himself up to a match where he's actually getting to flex his entertaining muscles. So we do appreciate that, lads. We thank you for yeah. putting us in the shop window this year and we thank you for the support, mate. We we love it. We love you. And, um, yeah, we're really thankful for everything that you've said about us, every uh, bit of support we've had, guys. We, we really appreciate it. Thank you, lads. Definitely. Thank you, guys. And if you want to follow the lads, you can follow them at UTT Tank. And if you do that, uh, you will get some tank facts. For instance, Danny, Tank Abbott is the only person to have been adjudged to be too famous for the WWE Hall of Fame. That makes sense. That really does. (laughs) It does. Uh, It's very much like the upcoming WCW Cathedral of Fame. They're too big for a hall. Also, Danny, Tank Abbott is the only person in history to win Takeshi's Castle and make a profit on Bargain Hunt. Ah, yeah, I was wondering who that was. <laughs> <laughs> and also, the first edition of Cluedo included a Tank Abbott character, the Octagon location and Fist weapon cards. However, early tests of the game resulted in the same three cards remaining at the end of the game 4,000 times in a row. Yeah, I can. That's logical. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, on the tank facts for this week, mate, there is an urban legend that Dwayne the Rock Johnson got his nickname from Rocky Johnson. He's actually called the Rock, though, because in the mid nineties, Tank Abbott snapped him in half, and it was discovered that he had that name running right through him. Ah, yes, that would make sense. <laughs> <laughs> And also, lads, you can, well, lads and lasses, Sherman Tankers, you can give us a follow, if you like, at One Man's Meat Pod on Twitter. If you like what you hear, do please subscribe to our main feed as well. But if you do subscribe to One Man's Meat Pod on Twitter, you will get 
one man's meat facts and i've got a couple of facts for the sherman tankers as well as for you danny are you ready yeah this is a surprise yeah i mean yeah well there you go well (laughs) i i hope it's a nice surprise so first of all danny did you know that one man's meat will be back in 2023 even better than ever ah yes that actually could make a lot of sense yeah (laughs) (laughs) good man secondly did you know that there are plans for there to be more regular episodes of One Man's Meat, as Big Meaty Cool would like to record some episodes in between the main shows with The Meat Guy? These shorter but more regular pieces would start by taking a look at the much-loved, for various reasons, Wrestling Society X. Yes, let's do it, mate. Definitely, The Meat Guy would agree with that. With that. Well, I am very glad you've said that, Danny, because thirdly, did you know that Big Meaty Cool is very happy that you like the idea, as he hadn't told you he was going to drop it on you? Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> Can confirm. But yeah, Wrestling in Society X is something I've, I've never seen, I've only seen clips of, and I'll definitely be into that. Wow. So it was a little idea that I had, because uh, while I love uh, our monthly recordings, uh, sometimes life does get in the way. And, uh, for for example, um, we are eventually going to drop this NWO episode. It's just a case of um, this big meaty bugger finding the time to finish it off. So what I was thinking was um, we could take the time to look at some smaller but uh, much-loved promotions or maybe long-standing companies that had episodic tournaments, like, for example, the Cruiserweight Classic or something like that. So, you know, something that was relatively short-term, that we could kind of look at an episode or two at a time, just get them out quickly and kind of it then leaves the meat siders not waiting too long for episodes to come out, mate. So I'm glad you like that idea. Yeah, definitely, man. Sounds perfect. Thank you. But my sweet Sherman tankers, that is all to come next year. And talking of next year, we will be back in a fortnight's time with another tank talk the first one of 2023, looking at the July 10th, 2000 episode of WCW Monday Nitro. But in the meantime and in between time, thank you for listening and stay beefy, Meat Cider!